David Hall, welcome to Business Unlimited. Great to have you with us. You're the fundraising and communications manager for a very special charity in this region called Paces. So we want to know all about that. But I'd like to know a little bit about you, first of all. So tell us about David Hall, your background, where you've come from, a little of your life before your current role with Paces. So I'm 34, dad of two little girls, Matilda, who is five, and LP is two. I have far too many hobbies. I snowboard, I scuba dive. I'm an absolute nerd at heart. I like anime, Japanese cartoons. So yeah, just very, very lots of different interests, some that even I struggle to keep up with. So never mind those close to me. How I got involved in the sort of the charity world, really, I guess it was a little bit by chance. So I did, I wanted to, back in the days of when I was at uni and stuff like that, I had this really ridiculous dream that I wanted to work in festivals because I was massive into music. Used to be in bands and stuff, play a bit of guitar and, and the drums. But I wanted to be that guy that booked the bands that were playing at festivals. <laughs> I didn't really realise how niche that sort of role was going to be. Like, I guess everybody just wants to book their dream festival. So I, d- I went and did event management uh, at university and volunteered a lot. Got involved in a lot of charity work through volunteering. So I sort of got introduced to the charity side of things quite early on. And a role at a previous charity that I was at came up and I just thought, oh, I'll just apply for it and see what happens. And I got it. And I was there for about four and a half years doing the corporate side of things, uh, looking after organizations and businesses that wanted to get involved in sort of charity work and whatever that looked like. And then about three and a half years ago, got an opportunity to come here to Paces. And I guess what really drew me to Paces was at the time, we launched something called the New Home for Pacers. And as part of Pacers, we have an adult services and we also have especially school. And I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit more later. But there was a project, chance to be involved in a project to fundraise for a new school. And I just sort of thought, wow, that'd be amazing to be able to be part of that journey. And once the sort of school set up and the kids moved into the new school, and it'd be really, really nice to sort of look back and think, yeah, I was part of that. I helped that happen. So that's what sort of drew me to Paces. And before you know it, it's been sort of three and a half, getting on for four years. And I've now sort of been doing the charity side of things and being involved in this sector for nearly eight years now. So <laughs> it's been wow. a, a bit of a by accident way of getting here. But yeah, very, very varied. Get to meet some absolutely incredible people. So I love it. Yeah, it's great. Excellent. And you, you talk with such passion about it as well. So what an eclectic past. That's fascinating. I suppose the thing we now need to know about is Paces itself. So tell us about the charity. Give us a sense of scale. Give us a sense of what its vision and mission is, what it does, what its purpose is, and how you fit within that. Yeah, sure. So we um, at Paces, we support and look after children and adults with neurological conditions. So cerebral palsy, MS, stroke, Parkinson's, and other brain injuries. And that's sort of split into three, like I say. So we have a specialist school where we support children from as young as six months and we can support them all through their school life. Once they get to school age, they can join the school, then they can work all the way through the school. And then we have an adult services. If they choose to, they can then join the adult services and they can stay for as long as they like, really. We still have two ladies, Kirsten and Sarah, that come to her, come to us whose parents were part of the founding group that started Paces sort of 26 years ago that that are still coming to Paces to this day. So we can really sort of be involved in people's lives for as long as, as long or as little as they want us to be. And at Paces, we we use something called conductive education, 
which is it's a really complicated thing to try and explain but in its simplest form and not really doing it any justice it's like a form of physiotherapy so in the children and in the outreach and the school setting we use it to teach children how to walk talk sit stand and gain as much independence as as possible these are all children that will have been told at one point or another that they won't be able to achieve these things right from the top down it's all about Actually, you know, these kids will be able to do things that you've written off for. And then finally, we have more of a specialist sort of one-on-one or group sessions where we work more with people that have suffered a stroke or maybe from Parkinson's or whatever it might be. And we'll, if somebody's suffered a stroke, for example, and used a lost use of an arm, we'll use conductive education to sort of rehabilitate that and get them back using said limb. That's amazing. That's a lot of work, a lot of hard work. Give us a sense of scale, Dave, in terms of your reach and a little bit about the founders as well. If it's been going over 20 years, everything has to start somewhere. So tell us a little bit about the story of the founders of it and how many team members there are now in it and what scale we're talking about and what the reach is. Yeah, so we support children all across the country. So we've got a little boy that comes to Paces as far as Oxford. What we're offering at Paces is very, very sort of niche and it's not something that is accessible throughout the country like yes there's specialist schools and yes there's centers where you can get sort of either conductive education or I guess physical education and support conductive education is seen as holistic it's a Hungarian thing so there's no sort of or we don't get any NHS support for example for conductive education so it's more about that's I guess spreading the word and the awareness and the actual good that conductive education can do and with people seeing that that's how we've sort of expanded and how we've reached out to more and more families and children. And so predominantly, yeah, based in Sheffield and being from South Yorkshire, a lot of our families do come from Northeast Southwest Yorkshire, but the team, team size, I think off the top of my head, we're, we're around, I'd say sort of a team of sort of 80, 90 people. But the majority of that is school staff, that's conductors, that's assistants, because some of the children might need one-to-one support. Some might need two-to-one support. The fundraising team, for example, is very small. There's only four of us. We've got three people in finance. We've got one person in HR. So I guess the majority of paces is is the, the conductors and the teachers at the school and then the guys downstairs who are helping in the adult services. So that's where the sort of the bulk of, I guess, paces staff's made up. And and how did it start? It started mainly because there was a lack of support and, and still is to some degree a lack of support for children and adults that are suffering from Initially, cerebral palsy, and then cerebral palsy brings with it, or can bring with it, other disabilities and other complications. Sort of rewind 26 years, and not just cerebral palsy, but disabilities in general was not quite as prominent or known about or talked about as, as it is now. So it was just a group of parents that, that sort of heard about the, the conductive education method that some of them went across to Hungary to learn more about it. And then they sort of brought it back and said, we could use this here. And we started initially in high green. And then, as I say, the school and the adult services used to be based together. And then we sort of outgrew where we were at high green. And then last year we moved our school only two miles down the road. So still in Chapel Town. And then about eight or nine months before that, we moved the adult services here to Smithy Wood, which is about, again, two or three miles away from the school. So we in sort of like a 12-month period, we moved both the adult services and the, the school 
just after we'd had COVID. So it's been a bit of a mad sort of I was going to say, that sounds years, a, lot, to honest, a lot to but... deal with. And, and so what I'm hearing is actually it wasn't yeah. one single founder. It was a collection of people that came together and saw the need by the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Very good. I suppose that leads nicely then on to what the vision is going forward. Clearly, those stories are powerful. With that all in mind, where is Paces heading? What are your targets for the future? Where would you like to get to? Uh, I guess it's just reach more people, get more support, raise more awareness from the fundraising team, you know, sort of within the corporate world, the events that we're putting on, build on those, make them bigger, make them better. So we can use that to reach more people, reach more children. Have you got some numbers on that you can put on it for us? Well, in the last couple of years, we've doubled our size for the adults that we support. So at the old site at High Green, we've got sort of six or seven adults that came every day. They were sort of like full-time getting support. We're now at sort of like 16, 17 adults that come every day. That's not including the adults that come separate to that for the stroke sessions, the MS Parkinson groups, that type of thing. And then with the children, the new school's not only allowed us to add more classrooms, it's also given us bigger classrooms and Previous to moving into the to the new school, we'd had to turn down over 100 families in the last three years that wanted to access Paces because we just didn't have capacity. We're now starting to get through that list and we're currently sat at 60, 65 sort of full-time equivalent children that are coming to Paces every single day. And the idea is to continue getting through that list and reaching more people. And to be honest, at this rate, we're going to need a bigger school and I just wanted 12 months where we just had a normal year. <laughs> But yeah, it's positive. It's definitely positive. You know, it's better to think we want to grow than we just want to survive, which was what the attitude was within the first couple of months of the pandemic of not really knowing what was happening. It was like, we need to get through this, not how do we get through this? And now we're at a stage where it's what can we do? How big yeah. can this become type of thing? And, and what lessons have you learned about yourself in this journey, in your role? Your previous role was partnerships manager. You're now going to be fundraising and communications manager but across those two generally in the journey you've had with paces what have you learned about yourself and if you started the role again would you do anything differently um would i do anything differently no i don't think i would i think which might sound like a shock but every decision that we've made every action that we've taken has got us to where we are now and i genuinely believe you know we're in sort of one of the best positions we've ever been in Paces as a brand, if you want, I'd absolutely put us in the top five of charities in terms of South Yorkshire, Sheffield now. You know, everybody knows who the big charities are in Sheffield. Everybody could just reel them off straight away. I like to think we are now sort of lining ourselves in that conversation and the awareness is getting there. And, and people might not know exactly what we do and the work that goes on at Paces, but they've heard of us, which is much better than where it was a couple of years ago. So... I don't think I'd do anything different. What have I learned about myself and what have I learned over the course of the two roles is patience, 100%. There are no quick wins in fundraising. And if anybody tells you there is, I'd like their number. I'd like to know where those quick wins come from because <laughs> I think I might have experienced two in eight years. Fundraising has changed massively, I think, in the sense of, especially in the corporate world, businesses more and more now want to know why it's beneficial to them to support you. Gone are the days where it was it was enough to have sort of a warm, fuzzy feeling because you were supporting a charity, which I get, you know, I massively get. But 
I think we're really, really good at that here at Pace. We, I think we we have one of the best teams that really values the supporter journey. And I love getting to know people. I get into, I love getting to know what their likes are, what their dislikes are, what their interests are. And ultimately, I think all that just breeds longevity of support. So, for example, we work with the guys at McLaren and Lamborghini in Leeds. They've supported that. They've they've headline sponsored our golf day for the last three years now. And I'm at a level with Mark, who's the GM over there, that we're just quite friendly now. Like the first time I ever asked him to headline sponsor the golf day, I remember was, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, how do I ask McLaren and Lamborghini to headline Pace's golf day? Just full of absolute terror and, and anxiety. And now I just ring him and, and it's like, come on then, Mark, are you sponsoring it next year or what? And it's usually, yeah, pop us down. And that's what you want, really. You know, yeah, we still do have sort of charity of the year adoptions and that will always be a thing. But if you can get support, obviously, past that, then even better. And I guess the other thing is try new things. I guess you've got to have a team in place that sort of has faith in you and trusts what you're doing to try said new things. But the example I'd use is I quite recently started playing golf, got into golf at our charity golf day last year. And I'm lucky enough that, I've got a head of fundraising and a line manager that is quite open for us to try new things and having faith in what we think might work and letting us run with it and try it. So I I had a couple of rounds of golf with some within my world because I work with corporate. A lot of them play golf. A lot of them are interested in. So a lot of people invited me. And it's just paying absolute dividends because you've got four hours with people that have got a similar interest that you're just talking all sorts about family, hobbies, then what they do, what you do. And it's just like the numbers don't lie. I mean, last year we had our golf day and we had 13 teams. It was sold out with 24 teams and it sold out last November. And likewise, we've got a business club. We've got a business club called Club 300 and that's gone from 12 founding members to nearly 40 members in 12 months. And basically everybody that I've ever had around a golf with has become a club member. But you just need to try things. You know, we've got two amazing guys that were what our event manager and our community fundraiser are keen cyclists. So they get involved in a lot of cycling network groups, which they enjoy, but there's also a charity side to it. And in a couple of weeks, we're launching our first Pedal for Paces event, which is getting, I think we're at over 70 cyclists now with paid to take part. Well, that's just great to hear and the passion that you have for it and that sense of adventure in the charity comes across loud and clear. So to bring it to a close, Dave, I always ask this question, who's the best coach you've ever had? Who's really been a big influence in your life and in the role that you've got now? I guess my first manager in the fundraising world, a lady called Rachel, she was a great figure to sort of look up. She she sort of really knew like the corporate world and really came up with it. Uh, different ideas and, and and was a great leader in that respect. And also, I'll be forever grateful to her because she was the first person that took a chance on me when I didn't necessarily have any fundraising background. So, yeah, she was a, a great coach and a great Very mentor. Good. Well, look, that's been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Our time has gone. I suppose the final thing I need to ask no, is if you. people want to find out more about Paces, how can they get hold of you? Quite simply, what are the basic contact details? They can find us on our website. They can find me on LinkedIn. I am sort of all over LinkedIn. I'm usually posting about golf <laughs> or my kids or things that maybe don't see Paces related. Uh, but yeah, LinkedIn, the website, or my email is david.hall at paceshefield.org.uk. 
we have a whole whole heap of stuff going on that people can get involved with so yeah get in touch great wonderful charity great conversation david hall thank you so much for your time 